Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. The commandment to keep the Sabbath is one that might not seem as important as the one about not murdering. But what and who suffers in our society when we value economic security over well-being? As we give witness yet again to the story of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, proclaiming justice for the oppressed, we must also proclaim justice and peace and rest for the weary of this world. In this week's message of the week, we hear about the triumphal entrance of Jesus. Do we stop long enough to notice? Guest speaker Reverend Melissa Gall shares from the book of Mark and challenges us to give it a rest. Here is the First Church message of the week. Good morning. It's so good to be back at First Church. This is the church that I grew up in, was married in, had one of our children baptized in, and so it's always good to be here. I never envisioned when Jen called me and asked me to be here this weekend that we'd still be doing winter weather. (laughs) So we ended up not having school on Friday in Millbank, and so I was sitting there thinking, oh, I could go to the coffee shop and hang out for a while, and then I thought, Nope, girl, you better get your bag packed and go so that I don't miss being here with you. So I'm glad to be back. It always feels like I'm coming home when I come here. So as a high school English teacher, perspective or point of view is one of the standards that the state says I get to teach my students. I use a writing activity in class when we talk about perspective, you know, first person or third person, so on or when we discuss historical perspectives to decide what an author's intended perspective might have been. The activity goes a little bit like this. I name an event that I know that my students have all been a part of. It might be a concert or a lyceum or even a class that they've all taken as a graduation requirement. I ask each student to write down in narrative form everything that he or she remembers about that event. Students could write where they sat, what they wore, what they saw or heard or smelled sometimes, anything to describe that event. Now, the fun part of this activity comes when it's time to compare those stories because it gets very interesting to see how different the stories end up, even though they are all written about the exact same event. One time I assigned this exercise in my mythology class that I was teaching during one of my first few years of teaching. In that particular class, students from all four grades in high school are able to take the class. Because of the age range of kids, the narratives written about their experiences, again about the same event, were varied from student to student. As you can imagine, when I asked students to write about that year's homecoming parade, a freshman who's new to the high school scene, experiencing his or her first homecoming as a high school student, wrote very differently than a high school senior would someone who's in his or her final hurrah as a secondary student. But it's all about their perspective. 
So this morning's first scripture passage comes from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 11. And it says, When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on the donkey and the colt, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. So as we read those words, that narrative is probably pretty familiar, that Jesus sends a couple of disciples into the city, asking them to bring a donkey and a colt. He instructs the disciples to tell anyone who asks what they're doing, just to say the Lord needs these animals. We then hear in this passage a reference to another scripture found in the Old Testament in Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10, which reads, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This ride of Jesus into Jerusalem, triumphantly entering on a donkey, is the fulfillment of the scriptures as written in the Old Testament. Our second scripture this morning comes from Mark 2, verses 21 through 28. This text says, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and so are the skins. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees, of course, it's always the Pharisees, right? Said to him, Look, Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. 
So what does this second scripture, a scripture about Sabbath, have to do with perspective about Jesus' grand entrance into Jerusalem on a donkey? Sabbath is a practice defined as a day of religious observance and abstinence from work, which is kept by Jewish people from Friday evening to Saturday evening, and by most Christians on Sundays. And Sabbath is the major focus in this passage from Mark. Sabbath is not just something we are encouraged to do as Christians. It is, in fact, the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Now, I think because we often see the Ten Commandments as a numbered list, that we unintentionally and perhaps subconsciously end up ranking them. We look at those last few commandments and think they're frowned upon, but being covetous or stealing something or bearing false witness could definitely not be as bad as breaking one of those first few commandments, right? I mean, think about the commandment about murder. Surely not observing the Sabbath or not keeping it holy could definitely not be as blasphemous or impious as murder, right? Well, how does perspective play into this recognizable story? We know the story of Jesus' entrance. We revisit it each Palm Sunday. So what different perspective could there be to see? I invite you to take a look at this video clip from the movie Son of God, and then we'll talk about it. In this clip, we see the ride of Jesus depicted. On the day of Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem, hundreds of people gathered in the streets, welcoming him, cheering for him, simply wanting to catch a glimpse of Jesus. The people who have gathered, waving branches for the one who proclaims and fulfills scripture, are cheering and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And while we don't hear their cheers in that video clip, we read in our first scripture lesson in verse 9 that the people shouted Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna, they shout, which literally means save us, we pray. These folks gathered come with a perspective of excitement at the sight of Jesus, met with their hope of a Savior, all joined with their reverence 
for Jesus. Sometimes I think it's important or helpful to identify what we don't see as a way of highlighting what we do see. In that clip, there's a few things that I've not noticed Jesus doing, including rushing through the crowd. Jesus' entrance into the city is a slow and meaningful procession. The crowds of people were, well, they were doing crowding because that's what they were. But they were crowding around him. And we also have to notice that Jesus wasn't riding on a cheetah, hoping to arrive at his destination before the GPS's approximated arrival time. Because donkeys aren't made for Russian. I don't know if you've noticed. But the animal chosen to bring Christ into the city is just a common, everyday, popularly owned animal. And riding it slowly sends a message of Jesus' relatability to the common folk, the exact everyday people that Jesus was sent to save. I also noticed that he's not selling tickets because we look around and everything costs money now, doesn't it? Nothing seems to come for free these days. But Jesus' entry into the city was without fee. There was no bouncer at the door collecting a cover charge. No follower was turned away from seeing Jesus as he entered the city for an inability to pay. Jesus is arguably the most important man in the history of creation, but instead of drawing only an elite crowd of followers by selling overpriced tickets, Jesus' entry, just like the salvation he provides, is without cost to us. It's without strings attached and is open and available to all. And the last thing I notice Jesus not doing is sorting the people out. As Jesus walks through the crowd of people, we don't see him whip out his holy megaphone to call out and ask people to sort themselves into upper class and lower class, or white collar workers and blue collar workers. There's no assigned seating section for the teachers in one section, the doctors in another, the retail workers here, the stay-at-home parents there. This may be just the most important part when it comes to thinking about Jesus' entrance into the city and how it connects with Sabbath as being a time of rest. Now, I know you're probably wondering, when's the connection coming? But I promise it is. So just hold that thought for now. If we had administered a poll that day, collecting statistical data of the people gathered in the crowd, the results would surely indicate that both upper class and lower class followers of Jesus were present, as well as every class in between. The results would show us a racially, economically, and educationally diverse people who are gathered to just welcome and celebrate Jesus' entry into their city. Jesus entered knowing what the end result would be, but he didn't do it only for the wealthy, for the healthy of heart and mind, body and soul. It wasn't just for the best dressed, the most well-fed, those with the biggest and fanciest houses. Because Jesus enters Jerusalem 
after ministering to the broken, the hurting, the least, the last, and the lost, knowing that he was the one sent to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, and to announce the time when God would save God's people. Because Jesus healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he ate with sinners. And it is through Jesus that we are each delivered from slavery, from sin and death. Jesus enters into Jerusalem to provide Sabbath for all. So why are we not seeking to do the same? How can we proclaim to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy when there are those in our midst who do not experience fully the Sabbath, the rest, the reconnection with God? And not only do they not experience it fully, but it's maybe not regular, if ever, because of their circumstances. How can we say we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy when we put more value on economic gain than the mental and physical health and well-being of all around us? How can we assert that we practice Sabbath and keep it holy when we are not seeking to be the hands and feet of Christ to all around us? My favorite commentary said of our first scripture that the Jesus who enters Jerusalem was and always is a challenge to this world's powers and principalities. Not merely a spiritual challenge, but a political challenge as well. This King Jesus is a threat both to the powerful elite and to the fickle multitude. Jesus did not come in triumph, was not crucified and raised, and communities of believers in him did not emerge in order to leave the ways of the world just as they were. We are not called to settle in and rest in Christ while we simultaneously and half-heartedly address, or we neglect, or we outright ignore the needs of others. It would be remiss today and in our faith to ignore the events that we know are coming this week. We cannot celebrate the day of Palm Sunday without the recognition that throughout this upcoming week, we will also experience and journey through this Holy Week narrative once again. Before the week's end, we will once again join together at the table of the Last Supper. We will mourn and grieve on Good Friday. We will wait and we will pray. And in this week of passion, Jesus Christ, in his fully human and yet fully divine state, allowed himself to be turned over and crucified for us, the lonely, the broken, the down and out, the meek, the lowly. After entering the city of Jerusalem on a donkey as the king, Jesus went to the cross as the savior. 
And Jesus did not put on flesh to come into this world to minister, to die, and to conquer death through the resurrection for us to simply be unchanged. Instead, we are called to shift our perspective, to recognize Christ's entry as one of seeking justice for the oppressed, to bring hope for the hopeless, to shed light in the darkness. So as we each think about our perspective of Jesus Christ on this day, my question is, from where are you seeking Jesus today? Are you gathered along the city streets, making way with branches and loud hosannas for Jesus? Are you seeking Jesus on your knees, broken, trembling, at your rock bottom as you look up at the cross where our Savior was crucified for us? Or are you seeking Jesus from a place of anger or despair or hopelessness or desperation, seeking the living Christ, bidding him to enter in as the Lord and Savior of all who seek him? The places from which we seek Christ, our perspectives, can change from day to day, from situation to situation, from life event to life event, and sometimes minute by minute, it feels like. And as our needs, our hurts, our hearts change and grow, our experience in seeking Christ's face changes in different ways as well. So on the flip side of that question, from where are you seeking Christ? I ask, for whom then are you also being the hands and feet of Christ? For whom are you seeking Christ and bringing his love to? Who do you see that is down and out and so you lend a helping hand to? Who do you know that is without the knowledge of the love of Christ and how are you bringing it to that person? Who's hungry? Who is naked? Who is thirsty? By loving and serving our neighbors, seeking justice for the marginalized, bringing injustice to light. For whom are you removing the roadblocks so that all are enabled and empowered and free to experience the rest and the joy and the blessings of honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy? Seeking Christ from our own perspective is a bit like that writing assignment, then, isn't it? We each seek from our own places, from our own experiences, and from our own current needs, writing our own narrative. And yet we must seek to empower and make available to all the truth that is woven through each of our stories, the truth that Christ the Redeemer, Christ the Crucified, Christ the resurrected and Christ the living Lord is our truth. Christ is our Sabbath, our rest, our renewal, our intentionality. So together and yet from our own perspectives, let us lift our voices as we wave our palm branches and proclaim Hosanna 
Hosanna in the highest, to the one who came to give it a rest. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we give thanks for the living example of Jesus Christ. As we love one another, as we serve one another, God, help us to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. God, we're the first to admit that it's hard to find time to give up the control and just sit and be still and rest and renew in you. But God, it's not just something you've encouraged us to do. It's something that you gave us through your commandments. And as we seek places and space to be in Sabbath, help us to seek that for others as well so that all can experience the rest, the relationship, and the freedom that comes in the Sabbath with you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.